0: Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. I have every intention and preparation to address all three of these verses, but I also know myself well and will likely not get beyond verse 21 today. But we'll be looking as a unit in Colossians 1. 21 through 23. The words will be on the screen for you to follow along if you don't have a copy of the Bible for your own. Hear the word of the Lord through his servant, the Apostle Paul. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together and consider its meaning. To you, our great God, indeed, we appeal to you. In light of your holiness and our sin, we plead the mercy of Christ. May we all, by faith, receive from Him His saving work, that by His death on the cross, In our place, our sin was removed from us and placed upon Him. He died, paying the penalty for our sin, sparing us your judgment and your wrath. And He, in His righteous, holy life, in His incarnation, He gave us that righteousness. We receive it by faith. There is no works that we do to earn it. It is given to us. And we are credited with his righteousness so that we have access to you and forgiveness of sins. This is a gift received by faith. And all who believe on the Lord Jesus, believe on those things, believe on those truths and are saved. No matter how vile or sinful, They may be when they come to you by faith, they receive forgiveness and mercy. And Lord, I pray that that would be the reality that takes place here in these moments. That we would look at this text and understand our status outside of Christ and see the glorious gospel of Jesus, his mercy, his love for us, if there are any here who have yet to believe on Jesus in these moments open their eyes and may they confess Christ by faith and receive the full forgiveness of their sins in him and for those of us who are in Jesus let us never forget you are as the song said the rock of ages shielding us from the Awful majesty of your holiness because of our sin. And we have access to you because Christ, our rock, has come. He has given us life. He has covered us in his righteousness. And he has provided forgiveness of sins through his death. May we praise him, give thanks to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So... We had just gotten done with a look at the the um, that Christ hymn, that great Christ hymn from chapters or from verse uh, 15 through 20. We ended that with uh, with with Jesus being the. The, the, the one through whom God is reconciling all things to himself, he is, he is ma- he's making peace by his blood, that his cross work is, is bringing a, a world that is uh, a full of sin and then affected by that sin, he is bringing peace into it and restoring all things to himself unto God. We await that reality in its fullness, but in the meantime, as He is transforming individual lives and bringing people into uh, faith in the gospel, they are they are being transformed, and the church is being built, and His people are living lives of of righteousness and and faithfulness and obedience to God, and transforming uh, and 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 doing work to bring. Peace to uh, to 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 those who suffer, and, and help and mercy to those who have need, and to uh, and to and to um, and, and to just serve and to bring joy to those who are under trial and difficulty and hardship. Paul reminds us of our past identity. He reminds the, the, the Colossian believers that, that all this is taking place not to people whom God looked around and said, I, I really need them to be on my team. I really need them to, to really sort of round out my roster of holy athletes doing my holy things. Instead, Paul says, and you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's verse 21. Alienated, separated. There's, there's a distance between you. Now, that can happen without anyone doing anything wrong. You could be alienated with, from someone without anyone doing anything wrong. Ma- Lori and I, six years ago, we packed up our family and all our belongings into a single U-Haul, came down here, uh, moved our existence from, from Mackville, Kentucky, to here in... Uh, 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 where is this? Pinellas Park, Florida. And, um, and we've been here for, for six years. Uh, and the reality is that some of our friendships and acquaintances... We have become alienated from them uh, because just time and distance has, has, has separated us and we lose contact and no one's sinned against one another. My 20-year my high school reunion just took place this, uh, this past summer and uh, I, I, I didn't go to that. I missed it. And one of the reasons is, uh, number one, I had a family vacation planned for the same time. And number two, uh, just most of those people I had lost touch with over the 20 years that we graduated. As a matter of fact, uh, the vast majority of them... As soon as I graduated, I never saw them again, uh, except through Facebook and MySpace. Uh, uh, and, and, and even then, just very surface level communication with them. And I realized if I go there, I'm going to be in an awkward position of having to hang out with people that I, I used to know. But 20 years has really brought separation. Now, we've not done anything wrong towards one another, we, but we've become alienated. So at first you can look at this and say, OK, so God and I have sort of drifted. That's a possibility. It's not a probability, but it's a possibility. Maybe God and I just drifted. Some of you who are outside of Christ, in your mind, you're like, you know, it just it just sort of happened. You know, God's doing His thing. I'm doing my thing. I'm very busy. I got I got a full schedule, and when I have time for Him, I'll 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 I'll, I'll give that. But for the most part, you know, maybe we've drifted. And if that's all Paul said, you can possibly say that's what's happened there no, no one's sinned, no one's done anything wrong there's just sort of a you know god's up in heaven hanging out with the angels having a good time i'm down here on earth just working my job feeding my kids you know doing what i have to do but paul goes on to say that you were once alien you who were once alienated but you were also hostile in mind now he ups the ante now he, he explains what the nature of that separation was it wasn't that you just sort of drifted apart like me and my, you know, class of, you know, North Harden High School class of 1998 uh, classmates. That We just sort of drifted apart with, with time. We're hostile in mind against God. Our inner thoughts towards God were not positive. So this was not a neutral, this was not a neutral estrangement or alienation. This was us. And when he's talking about when he, this description is for everybody, every person in their natural state, we have a couple of little babies born to us. I've had five children born, and when they were born, they weren't little little innocent angels that were eventually corrupted by what surrounded them. They were born sinners, and by nature, they were hostile to God. And you say, "Well, they're little itty bitty." babies, they smell good and they and they coo and they, you know, they you know, blow little baby bubbles from the, you know, whatever substance happens to be in their mouth that uh, strong enough to form a bubble. And then they wriggle and they, you know, they make funny faces and they laugh and their toothless little grins are funny. How can those be described in such a way? But that is our natural state. Everyone born is born a sinner, hostile to God. We're not born a blank slate and then become corrupted. We are born naturally in hostility against God. Our nature, the very essence of our being, is rebellion and resistance against God. And so Paul here is saying that this was not a a neutral estrangement, just time and distance separated you two. If you get back together, you talk things out, you know, everything will be smoothed over. No, you are hostile in your mind against God. Your thoughts about him. Now, some of you know what that's like to live in with a personal hostility towards someone else. But maybe you're not expressing that. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm going to work and I'm going to, and I'm just naming a name. I have I'm going to see Patty and by gummit, Patty is the worst. I do not like Patty. But when you see Patty, Hey, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Good, you know, I hate you. You see Patty at the break room and you've, you, you're, you're on your way to the break room for your lunch period and you see Patty cross the doorway and you're like, oh, she's there. I don't want to, I'm going to go get lunch. I'm going to go to my car and eat lunch there. You know, you, you don't like Patty, but you're not maybe outwardly ho- hostile to Patty, but inwardly you can't stand her. Please, I hope there's nobody here that has a Patty in their life that you're thinking of. I, I, don't, I don't mean to do that, but in your hearts, In your inner mind, you do not like Patty. Now, that estrangement is more and that alienation is more clear. It's not neutral. You are hostile to God. You are hostile against Him. You are angry with Him. And that explains a ton about how we react to life's difficulties. If you're like me, and you're on your way somewhere, as someone was early telling me before the service. And the Howard Franklin, you're going northbound on Howard Franklin, and it is shut down. Gandhi is backed up, and Courtney Campbell is uh, is also shut down because of accidents. You're like, hey, Pinellas County, awesome. Pinellas and Hillsborough, it's it's awesome here. And you can't get to where you're going. Th- that was what was described to me. The, the re- what I'm about to say next, that was not described to me. So don't, please don't, you know, don't put that on anyone here in the church. But you're if you're like me, and Lori can tell you, when I'm in traffic, I get stressed and I get angry and I get mad. Everyone's an idiot. Everyone's stupid. I don't like anything. I I have a little song that I sang once. It caught on with my children. It's I hate the world and everything in it. And Lori hates that song, but I sing it every once in a while. And um I'm not a I'm an awful guy, but I'm not an awful guy. I hope you I hope that makes sense to you. But but in my sin and in my remaining, uh, the, the remaining effects of sin in me are such that I just get angry at nothing. I don't know who caused the accident, if anything caused the accident. It could be a, a, person, a person's, uh, uh, you know, their, their, one of their, you know, a tire fell off. There's no fault to anyone. It wasn't bad driving, but they caused an accident and things, things came to a standstill. My life was inconvenienced and I get angry. And you're like, what are you so mad about? I I don't know. I'm just, I'm just upset. I'm just angry. The traffic. Well, who is the Lord of traffic? Who is the God over our health? Who is the God over things that hinder us from doing what we have planned to do? Who is the God over, um, you know, uh, lost packages in the mail that you were expecting? Who's the God over all things? And when you get mad about those little nothings, you're not just generally mad at the, you know, oh, I'm just angry at circumstances. When you break it down and you pull aside all of the, all the things that, when, when you narrow it down to its basic source, you're mad at God. And this is what Paul is saying. It's happening. We were alienated from God and hostile in mind and those of you who are outside of Christ, this is your present state. Now, you're alienated from God, separated from him because of your sin. And in your mind, you are hostile towards him. You're not neutral. You're not indifferent. You have an opinion. There are some things where I that we truly are um, indifferent. So sometimes the Lord asked me, what do you what do you want to eat? And I say, I, I don't I don't care. There are sometimes that's true. Not as often as I say it, but it is sometimes true. I really don't care what we eat as long as we eat something. I'm hungry. Okay. So I'm indifferent. But there are times, but when it comes to God, we are not indifferent. We have a stated opinion. And that opinion affects the whole of us. We know in our inner being, if you're outside of Christ, if you are in your natural state, without the new birth that Christ gives, you are hostile to God. And then he goes further, doing evil deeds. So you see that progression, alienated from God, hostile in mind, so it's not a neutral alienation It's not an indifferent alienation. It's not just time and distance that separated you. In your mind, you are hostile to God. You are prone and, and given over to, to not wanting to do anything for his good or his glory or any of that. As a matter of fact, because you're hostile in mind, the deeds that you do are evil. Contrary to God's, God's design and purpose. So some of you here who are outside of Christ and you wonder why maybe you've been coming to church maybe you've been listening to you know Jesus radio or or maybe even some sermons reading your Bible and you just I why hasn't that made any difference because the reality is that you cannot you cannot just coast you cannot just be surrounded by godly things and hope that it penetrates you because the what what is inside of you is an active determined resistance to god you're hostile to him and that causes you to do things that are evil now when we talk about evil we don't just want to use the categories of say genocide i've been reading a lot uh, of uh, there's, there's this uh, Facebook page called Humans of New York, where he, he has gone to Rwanda and he's he's uh, he's highlighting the stories of people who have who were who had done rescue work that are notable and, and, and confirmed they had done rescue work to during the Rwandan genocide and, and the stories are harrowing. There are just terrible terrible stories. Um, so that Rwandan genocide where where um, uh, the, where a million Tutsis died. That's, that's, that's evil on a grand scale. And some people, when you think evil, that's what you think about. You don't think that thoughts of greed, selfishness, lust, pride. We don't think of that as evil because that's everyone's common experience. If that's evil, then we're all evil and we want to avoid those conclusions. Hitler, that's evil. Not, that's not common experience. Um, when, there's, when there's mass shootings, uh, as our country has experienced, that's, that's an evil. We can say evil, or at least that's a that's, uh, that's, uh, 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 mental illness, because that's not common experience. But Paul here is saying that this is what the state of every person was. Evil thoughts are not just the mass evil, or evil deeds are not just the mass evil that, that will make the news. It's those things inside of you that are driven by rebellion, hatred of God, pride, whatever it may be, self sufficiency, anything that, anything that keeps you from serving God faithfully and lovingly, that is evil. It's a cosmic rebellion. We are, God is the Lord. We are rightfully to be, he, he, is, he is rightfully to be acknowledged as our ruler, as our God, as supreme in our lives. And yet every day, even those of us who are in Christ, every day we live for large chunks of our day without recognition of God's rightful rule over us, his rightful place over us, his lordship over us. We live as if our choices are our own to make without any reference to God. We live as if our days are to be structured according to our wants and desires without any reference to God. Our, our money is to be spent in reference to our own ambitions and desires without any reference to God. Our time is to be spent. Our words are to be spoken without any reference to God. Leads to prayerlessness prayerlessness. It leads to spiritual drift. And if you are in your natural state outside of Christ, that is the whole of what you are. The whole of your existence is lived out in that internal, out of that internal hostility towards God and your deeds are evil. It's easy when we see, say for instance, a story of a mother or a father leaving their child in a hot parked car for hours and the child is is found that way and you know, either extremely sick and not well or they even die. And you say, that's evil. And even if the if the parent says, I, I just, I don't know what happened. I didn't think, it just completely slipped my mind. I forgot that they were there. And maybe you can understand that, yeah, this person wasn't intentional, but how could you do this? That's, is your child how can you forget your child you may believe the person did not intentionally do that but in your heart you say i i I," you are responsible for the well-being of that child and you have that inner moral revulsion to that event because we all know that this there is no excuse that person is obligated to that child, and that child is defenseless and needs the parent's uh, attentiveness for their safety. And it is, there is no excuse. Even if you believe there was no intentionality of doing that, there is no excuse for doing that. How much more, on a grander scale, are we obligated to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and strength if He is who He says He is. If you can muster up the moral revulsion at a parent who fails at their duty to their child, to leaving them in a, in a, in a parked car in the summer heat, on a much grander scale, are we obligated to the God who made you, who has sustained your every day and your every life, who has given you breath, who has provided salvation through His Son Jesus Christ? We are so much more infinitely responsible, obligated to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength than any parent is to their child. Now, don't read me as saying parents are not responsible to their children. What I'm saying is that think of that that degree of responsibility of parents to their children think about how much more than we are obligated to god and that's how the cosmos sees it when the angels look at our human sin and their revulsion because they see god face to face they see god because they're without sin they see his holiness his grandeur his righteousness his love his wisdom his power his infinite majesty they see it and they look at us who are his image bearers, who also have salvation provided through Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Angels do not have salvation. So the angels that rebelled against God, they do not have a Redeemer. They do not have a Savior. But mankind does. And yet we live our days, day in and day out, in rebellion, faithlessness, hostility towards God. And it is a cosmic treason. It is, a, it, is a, it is an unthinkable, unthinkable crime to dishonor God in their eyes. They do not see how. And yet we swim in that reality day in and day out. We let words slip out of our mouth and we chuckle and giggle. At, oh, oh, I shouldn't say that. That's bad. We look at things on television or on our phones and something in wells up inside of us says you shouldn't do that. That is not beneficial and helpful and yet we indulge and we continue to pursue we go deeper and further down that rabbit hole. We think about people in our life that, that think about the figurative Patty. We're commanded to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us but we love rather to think about how we wish Patty would, you know, maybe you'd never say, I wish Patty got incurable cancer her and jaw falls off and you're like, that's horrific. But man, what if Patty found out that she lost a hundred dollar bill from her wallet? And you'd be like, Hmm. <laughs> Patty is an image bearer of the, of, of the God who made her and we delight when God has commanded that we would pray for her and love her, as he prayed for us and loved us, as he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We delight in Patty's misery, whatever the per- whoever that real person is in your heart. This is what Paul describes our former identity, those of us who are in Christ. He does so because he doesn't want you to forget the the salvation, the momentous salvation that has been provided to you. This is who you were. You were not good. You were not even okay. You were not even trying your best. You uh, You were running from God as far and as fast as you could. Any reference to God in your mind was, was, was only in the, in the context of hostility and hatred and your deeds, were, your deeds were coming out of that hostility and hatred and they were evil. And still, verse 22, God reconciled you to himself through his Son. He did this because he loved you. Your, your identity when God... Your identity was once one of a hostile, rebel, treasonous, violent, and he responded in love and mercy. Christian believer, never forget that. Never conclude that you were okay and doing well you just needed that little bit of help jesus said in the in the sermon on the mount blessed are the poor in spirit but in the 21st century western world we are so we are so enriched even our homeless and those of you who work the refuge ministry you know this they have cell phones they have some have laptops i've been can i charge my laptop somewhere yeah right there awesome i don't even have a laptop but you know you have a laptop that's awesome even our poor have more than the poorest of the culture that Jesus spoke to would have had. The saying, it's called, you know, people or a phrase of being of uh, of someone being um, uh, eating hand to mouth. So whatever goes in their hand goes directly into their mouth. They don't save. They don't have any resources. Whatever gets, they only eat whatever gets put into their hand. That's, That's the poorest of the poor. Our our poor in this culture doesn't even they, they, they don't live hand to mouth. They know tomorrow there will be a meal at such and such place provided to them free. They, they've had conversations with the homeless uh, around here. And some even said one woman, she said not not like pridefully. And she goes, I had to make a choice. If I I had a job, I worked. I was in the workforce, but the the skills that I have could only translate to jobs that I would work to myself to the bone. And by the time I paid my rent and my basic bills, I had no money for food. So I would have to make a choice. If uh, if I, my pants ripped and I had to replace my pants, I knew that I would not have food for that week. But as a homeless person, I I have to deal with the reality that I don't sleep under my own roof. I either sleep in shelters or outside. But I know I have food readily available and every little bit of money that I have, I can then spend on other necessities that I had to deny myself. That's, that's a tough existence. I, I, I feel for her. Her name is Liz. Pray for her. She's actually attended uh, a service or two here with us. But still, she does not live hand to mouth. She is sustained. She's provided for through generosity, both uh, from our government and also from people and churches. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. So we hear that in the context of our own poor and think, well, you know, still, they just need a little bit of help. Get a roof over their head, maybe a reliable vehicle, and they're fine. they got everything else they need. But Jesus is talking about those who recognize that, spiritually speaking, I am so impoverished that my only hope of food is what gets put into my hand. Through the generosity of others. There were no government programs that fed the poor in that time. If the if the everyday people did not give to the poor, the poor did not eat. And Jesus here saying you are blessed are that poor, not the economic poor, but blessed are those who are spiritually acknowledging that is who they are. Spiritually, you're so impoverished. There is nothing that you have. No resources. No regular means of spiritual nourishment outside of the generosity of others, and that other is me. So blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But we come into to it like, well, the middle class. They're kind of poor. You know, they're they're, they're they live check to check. Uh, you know, their, 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 their car, their, you know, their cars, you know, it, it's about five years old. It could, you know, it's out of warranty now. It could, it could use new tires and the paint's starting to fade, you know, um, AC still works, power locks and windows, all those luxuries still work. Uh, the, you know, the, they just, but they're the poor, right? they they just need, they have most of what they need. They just could use a little boost, an extra, if, a, if the government just gave them a, a, a tax break of another $1,500 in their pocket, they're just going to be great there's some of you in this room that if you if two thousand dollars showed up in your mailbox tomorrow a lot of your problems would be solved and you think that's what jesus means i just need that little kick that little boost to get me where i need to go but jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit the impoverished and that's what paul is describing here this is what you were alienated from god separated from him hostile to him so it's not a neutral separation you are angry at him and acting out of that anger and doing evil deeds and by those actions you are running as far away from god as you possibly can go and as fast as you can get there you're not the middle class in spirit you are truly the impoverished in spirit there's nothing in you by which god looks and says they just need a little bit of help They need a spiritual tax break. Rather, he looks and says, they are spiritually poor and destitute, but they think they have life and they are running, thinking that they are finding life in the path that they are going. I'm going to show them mercy and I'm going to bring them true life. I'm going to love them by sending my own son. He has never been alienated from me. He's never been hostile in his mind against me. Not a single thought of Jesus has ever, was ever, did it ever even drift into hostility and anger towards God. Not a single action of Jesus, not a, not a single breath of his life was breathed in any sort of sinful action against him, against God. Everything about him righteous and holy and God willingly gave him up put him forward to take our sin from us knowing that's who we were we were that running from God angry and hostile and evil they and said I'll bring them in through my son Jesus for I love them and Jesus came and willingly out of love for his father and love for us put himself forward the righteous and holy one to die in our place in order to bring us life. And it isn't until you realize that this is who you are, if you're outside of Christ, that you are alienated, hostile, and evil, and doing evil deeds. Until you recognize that, you will not find the restoration that has been freely given to Jesus because you don't go to get help if you don't think you need help. That's one reason why whenever some of you fall into hard times financially, it's like a small death if you ever had to call up a friend and say, hey, I need a little bit of help. I, have, I, don't, I, don't, have any, I don't have enough money to meet my needs. A piece of you dies when you do that because you just, you never thought that you would be in that type of position same reason why it really is a death to self to come to faith in Christ you must acknowledge i don't have it right this isn't a matter where god and i just had sort of a difference of opinion and you know we kind of started to go our other way because i you know he said one thing i said another it's a bit of a misunderstanding and you know whatever about we don't we don't get along anymore You, God has done nothing to offend you. God has done nothing for your harm. God has done nothing whereby he must apologize to you or make straight with you. Everything he has done for you has been out of his kindness and generosity and love and goodness. And we have spurned it and we have disdained it and we have run from it. But even now, God, in your present state, if you are outside of Christ, He calls you to Himself and welcomes you freely through His Son, Christ, that I have provided, and we'll look at next week more in detail about that, I have provided reconciliation for you. Christian in this church, we will have compassion on the lost if we remember who we were when we were lost. But if we concluded that we are okay and God just sort of gave us a little boost, we're going to look at those who are awash in sin and it's like, there's no hope for them. There's no help for them. They're not worth our time. Let's go for the people who are just pretty close to what we thought it would be. Those people are, you could go to the penthouses in downtown St. Pete, million dollar penthouses. Actually, I don't know how much it costs, but I saw saw an advertisement for a townhouse in Old Northeast, uh, $570,000. So I imagine there are million dollar homes in St. Pete. You go there, or, or, or Bel Air Bluffs and all the really swank places, you think, those people have it together. Maybe they don't go to church, so they can just use that boost. If they just add church to their life, they're good. We look at the poor and we say, they, they've, they've got it all wrong. They, there's just too much work for them. And in Paul's mind and the Scripture's mind, they're, if they're lost, they're both in the same place. Just one has money and one doesn't. Alienated from God, hostile in their mind, doing evil deeds. Money doesn't wash away sins. Good jobs do not wash away sins. Health and youth do not wash away sins. Public applause and praise does not wash away sins. And neither, is having sh- neither does having shabby clothing increase your sin. Neither does not having enough food in your cupboard or even a cupboard to have food in increase your sin. They, those may be manifestations of sin in your life, but those do not increase your sin. Paul says the state of man in his natural state is they are alienated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So now, bringing it home. Christian believer, remember who you once were. You were this, but now you are reconciled to God by Jesus through faith. Remember that. Never forget it. For our praise our worship, our service to God will transform. The more we recognize who we once were and who we are now by the grace of Jesus. We cannot help to tell others of this great God if we remember how rotten we were. One reason why we don't tell our brothers and or our neighbors and friends about Jesus is because we don't think him great enough because we did not we do not realize how bad we were. And that must change. That must change. So remember who you were, brothers and sisters. Ask God to show you how bad you were in order to show how glorious His grace has come to you. And then go and tell others. Go. That's why new Christian believers are typically really effective Uh, Evangelists, because they remember that it is fresh in their mind. I used to do this, and now Jesus has transformed me and set me free. I was lost, and now I'm found. I cannot help but to tell my friends. I want them to have what they, what I have found. But we have forgotten what we used to be and what we have found. We pretend as if it was always there. But the grace of Jesus came to us when we were lost and alienated from God, and we were brought near. So remember who you were and be transformed by that. If you are here and you are lost outside of Christ, maybe you're not willing to admit it, but in your head you're wondering, yeah, I I think he's talking about me. He's got to be. I think. For you, let let me speak clearly. You are not neutral against God. You're not neutral towards him. As a matter of fact, you have decided, you have decided long before your conscience, you have decided that you are against him. And just like that person that irks you, anything that they do, even the good things that they they do, just make you mad. Every gesture of God's kindness, every, every movement of his mercy increases your anger towards him. You are hostile against him. And you must, by the power of his spirit, through the new birth, And what that means is, in your present state, you were born spiritually stillborn, spiritually dead. Ephesians 1, um, or Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the, the, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You were born dead, spiritually. You must be made alive in order to love the things of the Lord, in order to do the things of the Lord, in order to receive the grace of God. that new birth only comes from jesus it only comes by his spirit you cannot will yourself to spiritual life you cannot decide for yourself for spiritual life just like a corpse cannot say you know what i'm done being dead i need to wake up now it takes the power of god working in you but perhaps as you're hearing this message that power of god is coming to you and your eyes have been open, and you say, What do I do next? Believe on the Lord Jesus. Confess your sin. Acknowledge, Lord God, I have sinned against you. I have been alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, but I want forgiveness, mercy, salvation from you. And I've heard the pastor ramble on about that. I want it. Please. May I have it and you will find. Not that the words are magical, not that the incantation is powerful even if you don't mean it, but if you mean, if you call out to Jesus, he will save you. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So believe on him. Turn from your sin. Fall on Christ, and you will find in him a willing and able Savior. In Matthew chapter 8, after he preached the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was appealed to by a man with leprosy. And leprosy was a real physical ailment, but it was also sort of a a spiritual uh, uh, um, uh, 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 metaphor that just as, it, just as the, the flesh of the leper was rotting away, so the, the spirit of the person in their natural state is rotting because of sin. And they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, if you are willing, I can be clean. And Jesus' response wasn't, listen, I mean, I know a little bit about you. You're kind of, you, you curse a little. You're, you're kind of a drunk or whatever, whatever it is. Instead, he just quickly said, I am willing, be clean, and he touches him. Leprosy is transferable. So was spiritual uncleanliness, you know, in, in Israel's worship uh, structure that an unclean person could not go into the temple and worship, and if you touched a leper, you could not, without a, a certain type of washing and a period of time away, could not worship. And Jesus showed by touching the leper, uh, spiritual, spiritual contamination does not work both ways with me. I bring healing, but contamination does not touch me, so I am willing to heal and to restore you. And that story is there for those who are spiritual lepers to cry out to Jesus and find, He will heal you and restore you. He has both the power and the willingness to do so. So believe on Him and be saved.